three, four. The common counterpart. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to The Common Counterpart, episode 25. I'm Mark. And I'm Josh. I'm back for round three. China round three. China round three. Now, it could have been China round 15. So much stuff. Easily, yeah. And part of me does feel like there's a little bit of a disservice, but there's also the other part of me that knows that most people's attention span is about seven seconds. About. So... We can't, like, go too far. Otherwise, you're just watching a documentary. But this also has a lot to do with that Eurocentric American vibe, you right? You feel like if it was another country, we'd spend more time. I'm just saying. Well, that could be true. <laughs> but hopefully y'all are digesting a lot about a little. And this is not – I mean, some of the stuff we talk about isn't even on the news. Some of it is. Uh, I'd like to believe that our our listeners are a, a, a bit more informed uh, of the minutia, but China is a massive topic in almost every aspect of life. Which part of me thinks that that's what makes it so fun, that it's not getting coverage. Right. It's like almost, how is this not a thing? Well, some people might say that because uh, Google and Facebook and uh, big tech is in bed with the Chinese— uh, and that growing market, they just don't want to rock the boat. Some would say. Some would say. You would say. I would be the guy saying that. I don't know what I would say. I but, just like, I like, uh, I like a little bit of drama. I, I like a little bit of tension. I've seen it. So I'm kind of excited for this. Yeah, me too. So when we left off last time, we were talking about Chinese history, and we gave the flyover version of what was happening. This is where it's going to get fun. For? For, I don't know. Not fun for the people in... uh, China. Yeah. That's true. Fun for us as we begin to really put an end to this story that's still kind of going. Okay. Now, can you wrap this up in like seven minutes? I'm going to be very, very fast, or at least I'm going to try to. So the last thing that we sort of led up to was this idea of a cultural revolution. And what's crazy about this, if, if you're not a history person, is when we look at the dynasty the dynastic rule of China. We're talking about 3,000 years of the same system. It's a little bit hard for us to understand in the United States, obviously, because we're just so young. But to say that we're going to keep doing the same thing over and over and over again, just with new families, for 3,000 years is, is insane. So when we get to the spot where they're putting an end to this, right, early 1900s, where they say, yeah, we're going to try something different, that alone is a huge deal. Now, I've, quick question. Did they, did they say democratically, or did a small group of they decide? Well, it's always like a small group that okay. ends up influencing a much larger group, right? Mm-hmm. So we have these guys who are entering in. Sun Yat-sen is one of these guys who wants to overthrow the government. Uh, he never really gets the chance to rule, but he gets a lot of credit for some of the changes that he's bringing in. Now, here are some of these changes. Nationalism, democracy, and the people's livelihood. Sounds great. That does sound really good. Sounds like something I'd be into. However, as you can imagine, that's going to get twisted just a little bit. 
But really, I want to look at like 1911. So 1911, there at this time is a group of people that are trying to sort of overthrow the government, but they're doing it in the shadows, right? Which is pretty typical mm -hmm. for some of these groups trying to gain power. So in 1911, a bomb accidentally goes off, right? You know how those bombs are. Yeah. Just accidentally go off and sometimes. And it accidentally got placed someplace. Right. Now, the group who's trying to overthrow the government realizes that they're going to get blamed for this, whether it's rightly or unrightly so. Mm -hmm. And so they say, well, I guess this, this, is our, this is our chance. We're going for it. This isn't the script of, like, The Godfather. No. But it does is... have some, kind of some mafia vibe to it. Sure. Okay, go ahead. So 1911, this group decides to go after it. And instead of squashing them like you would normally squash a small group, the army decides to join. Now, when the army gets behind this group, a little bit of power. Does the group have a name? A little bit more. Uh... That I don't remember. Okay. And they're called liberals, liberal group. Okay. Um, now, after this takes place, localism, which we've seen before, think about like the warring states period, mm -hmm. where everyone's like, we're just going to take care of ourselves. And we start getting these really small factions again. Now, as you can imagine, without having a central government, things begin to fall apart, areas begin to war against each other. There needs to be some sort of central power. Enter in the communists. So is it safe to say that out of chaos comes power grab? Absolutely. And, okay. and out of chaos comes communism. Exactly. Al almost always. There's this idea of like, hey, do you want it better than you had it? Mm -hmm. Join our group. Right? So the 1920s, Communist Party starts making its way in. Uh, the communists will eventually have a civil war with the nationalists. The communists are going to win out. Now, even though this is taking place, China's not exactly, you know, only taking care of itself right now. You probably have heard about the Japanese coming in, staying in areas where they weren't supposed to, kind of sort of like flirting with war, just oh. kind of flexing power a little bit. Mm -hmm. And so we have some Japanese um, influence in this area. And so the communists are like, yeah, we can't have that. Okay. We got to get rid of them. Uh, and so this is not helping the nationalist cause who are like, no, we got it. We got it under control. They're like, no, clearly you don't mm -hmm. because we have foreign forces here. Uh, in some of these areas. Now, these weren't like massive areas of China. They're kind of just like on the outskirts. Mm -hmm. Still China, though. And so, enter Mao. And enter the communists who are giving the voice to the voiceless. And that's probably the big theme amongst all of these countries that eventually go communist, mm -hmm. is that it's all about the people. And this is the great leap forward. We're getting to the Great Leap. Oh, we're not even there yet. Okay. We're rolling. We're rolling. Okay. So in 1942, Mao introduces re-education camps. Oh, good. Fantastic idea, right? Right. We need to re-educate people. Like critical race theory? Don't do that. We're <laughs> not going there. We are going to talk about how intellectuals, people of importance, are getting sent out to these manual labor camps to learn what China is really about. Okay. So they're getting put. They're getting put to work. That, is that what China's really about? That's what they're about. Okay. They're about the poor people, and they're about everyone understanding what's taking place here. Okay. Uh, 1949, Mao takes over. Here's what he's calling this: the democratic dictatorship. Love it. I mean, it makes sense. Yeah. Best of both worlds. Did Did they elect him democratically? Uh, you know, count the votes, baby. Okay. <laughs> Much like, what's the county you always talk about? Oh, you're going to put me on? No, no, what's the Arizona county? Maricopa. Maricopa. Listen. 
Check it again. That will be another episode. Recount them, baby. Uh, and so when Mao comes in, he's got some interesting tactics. He wants to sort of follow the model of the Soviet Union. That alone, right? Yeah. Maybe not the best model. Right. But he wants to get industrial. He also has to remove anyone who doesn't exactly go along with the plan. So 1950 to 1951, 28,000 people were accused of being either spies or counter-revolutions in this one particular area, and they were executed. That's just what you do in the democratic, dictator, communist China. There is, you know, there are options, but there's just one, and it's the (laughs) one that I told you about, and so that's the one that we're going to do. Okay. So they start coming out with these five-year plans to become these industrial power, uh, an industrial powerhouse, right? And Great Leap Forward, which you talked about before. Uh-huh. There's a lot of things about the Great Leap Forward that are interesting, and we don't have time to go into all of them, but one of the ones that I thought was one of the worst ideas is that he ordered steel furnaces to be built in people's backyards. I've, and I've, people were going to make their own steel. Mm-hmm. Now, if you put a furnace in my backyard and said, hey, go ahead and make some steel, I would have no idea what to do. I'd barbecue. Yeah, you just got to make it as hot as you want, and you start throwing stuff in. Mm-hmm. What did this lead to? It led to very bad steel being made. <laughs> People don't know what they're doing. No regulation, huh? Listen, mine's a little different than my neighbor's, but throw it together, life's going to be okay. Now, it doesn't go great. No, it doesn't sound like it. No. And 1959 to 1962... There's about 20 million people that die. And, and why is this? Starvation, mostly. Okay. They say about half of them were kids. Ugh. Yeah, it's not a good look. No. Um, but the idea is that we're all for each other, right? So your grain is my grain. Right. And I'm going to keep the prices of grain low to stop inflation. And because, I'm going to do all of these things. Because one of the tenets of communism is they're against uh, ownership. Nobody owns property. And nobody invests in capital. Unless you're in charge. Of course. Well, someone has to. Some, some, but yeah. Well, it's like Animal Farm, right? Right. The pigs say we're all equal. Some of us are just more equal than others. Right. So apparently another failed communist attempt. Yeah. Okay. And, you know, this is all sort of taking place mid-1900s or so. Mm -hmm. And the thing to take away from this is that we are challenging the status quo of China. We are, we are challenging the idea that the elders know everything. We're putting power back into the hands of the people, of the kids. We're empowering the young adults coming up. That's our workforce. Are, are, you, paint, are you intentionally painting a picture of uh, America 2021? No. Okay. It, Sounds it, like it. it sure, it's scaring, scaring me uh, a great deal, Mark. Well, and so these, these re-education camps are going to continue. And really what I want to pick up on is how those programs really are impacting what's taking place now. And so that was, you know, like eight, nine minutes. Uh-huh. The, pay, the picture you need to take from this is it's bad. It doesn't work out. It's really not great. Cent- centralized anything eventually falls apart because it robs people of incentive and ownership. Correct. Okay. Um, now, Mao, one of the things that in, in my research is uh, it's pretty popular in, in Chinese government to 
retitle yourself. So you might be chairman of the party, and then the next time you might be president of the country or the supreme dictator or something like that. And at some point, I don't Do we know if Mao died or did, did he resign? Did he, did he die in power? That's know. a good question. Yeah. Um, but eventually he, uh, he was no more. Uh, Mao wasn't. And I believe in the 70s, um, a leader by the name Deng, and I don't have his full name, but this is the guy that decides, let's open up China and let's introduce the billion-plus person workforce to the world. And uh, this is where, uh, I believe it was Nixon, who then connects with China and helps to open up China. Is that, is that accurate, history yeah. guy? Okay. Yeah. Nixon, Nixon was big in this. So now, yeah. he, he was running up until, basically up until the end. Mm-hmm. Unconfirmed reports, you know, things like Parkinson's mm. and different things like that. You don't want to put that out there. No. Right? You can't have leaders that get sick. Uh, suffered some heart attacks. Mm-hmm. I, Died at 82. That's a long life for a communist. It's not bad. Fidel lived a long life as a communist. Most com- Some people will make it. Most communist leaders don't make it that long. You got to have all the stuff. <laughs> well, isn't that the objective? It is. And what's uh, crazy is even when he died, millions of people... Mm-hmm. We're saddened by this in, well, chi- in China. Well, I think it goes back to the sort of virtue signaling. You needed to at least pretend to be upset that Mao was gone in case any of his thugs For sure. were still uh, uh, on the prowl. Yeah, that's super important. But, but once China opens up, uh, China's, I think China's been a mystery to, to most people around the world. There, there is a very old school, closed off sense of we're going to do things our way and we will make it successful regardless. And there is a, um, a drive that I think that the, the Chinese people uh, have stereotypically around the world. Uh, they are a hard working uh, group of people. And I think that's what uh, happened in the 70s and 80s when they opened China up. Uh, and now you've got a clash of communism, and some people would say failed communism. Uh, others would say it's just the inevitable uh, 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 track communism f- falls. But once China opens up, the world realizes something. You can get cheap labor, and I mean cheap, cheap labor in China. Uh, in fact, it was so bad. If I remember in the 80s or 90s, there was a huge movement in America about you know, you want to buy things built in America. American-made. American-made because, yes, it's nice to have inexpensive things, but at the same time, if those, you know, textile jobs or automotive jobs are being shipped to another part of the world, those are U.S. citizens who no longer have a job. And now that China is on the global market as a, not really a producer, but more of a manufacturer, because China is not known for producing a whole lot of stuff. The difference in producing versus manufacturing, you're talking about them putting it together. Yes, as opposed them to assembling. them assembling. The stuff is not coming from them. Correct. Now, uh, you had mentioned uh, last week that uh, China is great for agriculture. It's got tons and tons of water. Uh, 
Yeah. Uh, but it's not up till that point it wasn't known for diamonds gold oil coal these resources that were really important but you do have a ton of square footage to work with you do um and what we've discovered now is because of that square footage and because of new technologies we've discovered that china is chock full of a lot of the things we need for technology to work if you've ever looked at your periodic table and you've looked at that bottom row that nobody knows what it's there for, um, those are rare earth metals. And we call them rare, not because they're rare in the earth, but they're very difficult to find um, because of the way they're, they're made atomically. Well, China and Afghanistan and some parts of Pakistan seem to have <laughs> a ton of this stuff. And so now, just in the last 10 years, China's actually begun to mine more of their own land. And really what they were missing was the technology to be able to do it. Yeah, we didn't even know. Well, it's like, I mean, can you imagine 500 years ago coming across oil? Yeah, I mean, what are you supposed to do? Well, yeah, what do you do with it? Um, but here's what I find fascinating in regards to China. Um, let's fast forward to 2013. Because really, China is still trying to shuffle between communism, capitalism. Also agrarian versus urban. And that was a massive shift. I mean, there are a lot of cities that have millions of people living in them. Mm -hmm. You also still do have a large amount of people that are living off the grid almost. Which I find, I, I romanticize it, but it sounds appealing to me. It might be until you go out there, right? Because I hear check the, it out. I hear the insects and the, you know, the, the the rainforest and the wild animals are terrifying. Well, and what's really tough when you look at China geographically is you basically have a couple of hubs where you're going to find the majority of the population. That western part of China, mm -hmm. there's nothing out there. It is a no man's land. It is absolutely nothing. Mm -hmm. And it's unfortunate because you have the square footage, but also you have to think maybe one of the reasons why you have all of that is because mm -hmm. nobody else wants it. Well, and it's it's like Australia, right? Yeah. It's a big island, but smack dab in the middle. I mean, yeah, you, you're, not, you're not evenly distributing your population. Right. So when you have these massive urban centers, you have all of the problems that come with massive urban centers. Mm -hmm. And so, yes, you have this land, you have the capability, but the people, there are some, you know, a lot of really small, you know, column sort of tribes that are still living out there off the grid that have no idea what's going on. Right. And one day, uh, I would imagine a big tractor piece of equipment is going to roll in and they're going to have to be displaced because we're either building a dam or an airstrip, or mining, or something like that. Yeah, and, and some of them are, you know, speaking languages that are sort of a mixture of, you know, we talked last episode about the amount of nomadic people that were going through those areas. Mm -hmm. And so they're not, they don't even exactly know what's going on in China proper. Right. It doesn't involve them. They have nothing to, they have no say in the matter. They don't need to know. Right. It doesn't really in, in, engage them in any way. And so they're off just doing their own thing. And, and if they had an opinion, uh, they really wouldn't have a say regardless. That's true. It, it, it's still, China's an, an odd place because, you know, it's the People's Republic, which is a cute term, but it's still very much a one party rule. Uh, and so in 2013, uh, Mao. Uh, is installed. I don't believe there was an election, and if there was, I doubt it was fair. 
uh, but he is installed as the supreme leader, whatever, and he initiates uh, something called the China Belt and Road Initiative. This was the term I was looking for last week. Not Mao. Huh? You said Mao. Oh, I said Mao? Yeah. Oh, you yeah. said in the past. No, no. I was, I was, I was so gone. raptured, yeah. No, we're, uh, we're looking at uh, Jing, uh, not Mao. Come on, help me out here. Jing, Jinping? Xi. Who's the new guy? Don't say new guy. Brother, come on, help me out. All right. Anyways, Mark, your job is to find the, the new guy's name. It was on the tip of my tongue, and now I can't find it. But the new leader instills uh, the Belt and Road Initiative. Now, no one's paying attention, right? We're, we're, uh, the, the, the global economy is bouncing back from a major bust, um, uh, re- recession and depression, and what uh, the new uh, Chinese leader is doing is he is now looking at creating a new Silk Road. And he's doing it in two different, two different ways. Uh, my assistant here is helping me out. Jing Jinping. Ji. Ji Jinping. Ping. All right. Good enough. Go- yeah, Google it. Close enough. <laughs> it's not like he's listening. Please. I don't think. All right. So here's the deal. Uh, China, although it does have... Some things it is producing, China's 1.4 billion people, for the most part, export export very little raw material, and they import a great deal. Right. They're taking the, they're taking the pieces, and they're, they're ta- finishing them. Yes. And they're importing food. They're importing televisions. They're importing cars. They just can't produce. The 1.4 billion can't produce for the 1.4 billion because they're also producing for everybody exactly exactly and so china and again they're not doing anything different i mean england did the exact same thing is they're looking to open up routes right most people are are upset when things happen that they don't agree with if only they looked in the rear view and saw that we did the exact same thing and 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 nothing new under the sun amen to that and um they may not, may not like it. No. And, of, of course, we're okay with it if it benefits us and our worldview. Right. We're not okay with it if it appears as though it's not benefiting us. And so the short of it is, um, since 2013, China has been working to create railroads, pipelines, uh, ports, especially deep water ports. We talked about that in, in, in choke points. Um, Roads, highways, they have invested in mines, they are dropping fiber optics, they are building bridges, they are investing in industrial parks, and they are creating power plants. All outside their own country, by the outside way. Outside of their own country, and uh, some of it is granted money that they have given to certain countries. Some of it is, lent, is loaned to these countries at like 2% interest, and... This is eventually going to connect the entire Asian continent, the Middle East, Northern Africa, and Europe. The only player that's not invited to the party is India. Which that makes total sense. And, and I guess they were, they were asked and they, did, they didn't want to participate. Now, here's what's interesting, though. Is when, you, when you dig a little deeper, China did get in bed business-wise with a lot of unstable, corrupt, and uh, 
underdeveloped countries. Well, it's the easiest guy to pick on. Absolutely. They need the most help. They do. And it's probably going to be very challenging for these countries um, to pay back the loan or to fulfill the agreement that the Chinese government wrote this this loan or contract up with. I'm sure it was all luck that China just picked those countries. Oh, yeah. No, yeah. <laughs> they would never. Glass is always half full. Now, this is monopoly, mm-hmm. and they're going after the railroads, and they're going after the utilities. Absolutely. Because they always pay. Mm-hmm. And, and they're and, building hotels. Well, and, you know, we, we sort of threw these ideas around talking about countries that bully, and the United States is no exception. Right. We... Look at the Western Hemisphere. We literally told the rest of the, hem- the world, don't come to the Western Hemisphere. This is ours. Mm-hmm. Not that long ago. Right? So we're not squeaky clean in this either. They are, they are specifically offering things that people need, knowing full well that they cannot follow through exactly. in the payment. And so at some point, they're going to owe China something. Yes. And again, this is very mafioso- for sure, you which know, is how everything has been run forever. Let, let me, and they, they do, there is the impression, at least from, from my vantage point, they come in as a friend with sweet talk and gifts, knowing full well that at some point they're going to have to bring down an iron fist and say, uh, a brother got to get paid. Now, this strategy is being referred to as the string of pearls because in the South uh, China Sea and in the Indian Ocean, they are hoping to connect... China and uh, Bangladesh, they're going to bypass India. They want to connect Northern Africa, the Middle East, and they're going to open up, quote unquote, trade routes. Well, what comes with trade? Military. You got to be able to protect your stuff. And that's one of the reasons, if you've been paying attention in the the paper for the last 10 years, China is actually building fake islands in the South China Sea. Uh, to expand their 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 ownership of international waters. But Josh, they promised they weren't going to do military on those islands. Well, they did promise, and you can always trust a good communist <laughs> to follow through with that. Especially when the communist realizes they're like, "Oh, that airstrip? That's not a military airstrip." <laughs> no, no, no. It's it's it's, 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 it's worry, for vacationing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and so this is a bit terrifying. And when you look at at at, at who's being invited to the party, it. It are, it's, it's countries who don't necessarily have a pro-America relationship. Well, the other thing, can we get mad at China for doing this? No. Is this in any way going to benefit us? Um, and well, maybe I should say us like the world. Well, because to be fair, what China is doing is helping infrastructure. Right. They're providing jobs. They really are. Yes, I, I guess that's a point. Temporary, right? On some of them, in terms of construction, mm-hmm. that's what some of these contracts say that you have to use local help. This mm-hmm. and this, but on, some... on other ways, you start getting roads and railways, which we know are huge mm-hmm. in terms of countries needing to develop to allow for even internal movement of goods, services, and people. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and I'm still sort of hanging on that idea you shared a long time ago about choke points. I mean, there are just parts of the world that cannot be physically connected because of the ocean or a desert or a mountain, and now you've got rail and you've got uh, ships uh, and even highways and bridges that are now connecting parts of the world that should have never been connected, which at some point will be owned 
by the communist Chinese who do not believe in private property. But, of course, they will be owning the rails and the bridges and, and the ports. Well, on some of these occasions, what they're doing is, you know, we will, we will help build a port for you. Mm-hmm. But we also need a place to park our cruiser. Exactly. And so we're going to leave this here. We're mm-hmm. not going to do anything with it. And it's not going to be you know, yeah. used against you. We just need a place to put it. Got they it. are putting strategic military points on the globe that are far away from China, mm-hmm. but are controlled by their people. Which is exactly what America has done Absolutely. every time we've won a war. Now, here are some, some facts that scare me to death. Um, in regards to China and the Bridge and Roads, Roads Initiative, it makes up about 40% of their GDP. It is involving 65% of the global population in regards to country. And it is going to be uh, connected to 75% of the world's energy reserve. They know what they're doing. They know exactly what they're doing. Right. And This is risk. And people who are, thank you, and people who are not paying attention are going to be painted into a corner. Now, I have to believe, regardless of who's in the White House and, and what party's in charge, our government is paying close attention to this because we're now looking to at uh, of the top 10 construction companies in the world, seven of them are Chinese owned. And I don't mean Chinese citizen owned. I mean, Chinese government owned. You now have a massive government funding and supporting massive uh, building projects. Of the 20 richest banks in the world, five of them are Chinese government-owned. What's the risk then for China? I think overextension. Can this bubble burst? I think it can. Um, The overreach of them just getting so excited for all of this that they just have too many things going at once, not being able to finish. Well, and because if if you're working on expansion, a lot of times you're not focusing on what's going on in your own country. And because I'm a news nerd, uh, there have been three dams in China. Now, when I say in China, it's a massive country. Right. It's not like I'm saying three dams in a little town. But three major dams in China have now broken, and people are losing their lives. Homes are being flooded. I saw a terrifying video of muddy flood water washing over a vehicle, and the family is in the car recording the floodwaters washing over the cars, they just sort of sit there and wait. Jeez. And so I do think that there is a risk to China, and I, I they're playing, you know, the long con here. I couldn't even possibly understand the, the dollars and the people and the infrastructure. But there is a number out there, and that number is 2049. 2049 will be the 100th anniversary of the People's Republic of China's inception. And by 2049, all of the bro, uh, bridge and road initiative projects will be complete. China That's will so fast. It is. They, they will have placed all of their pieces on the chess set, and then we're just going to have to wait and see what happens. The other thing with that, though, and we saw this. You see this with Rome. You see this with these huge empires. The more that you go, and the farther away you get from home, the thinner that those walls become. And those cracks can be broken. Uh, you know, you're right. I, I, you know, Rome did die from the inside. Right. Right. And you have to, you have to be able to defend all of that if you're going to want to take it. Yes. And being so far away, you don't necessarily always know what's going on. Look at all the, you know, all the colonialism and things that took place. Mm-hmm. 
the reason why they ended up having to give up on them is it was just too difficult to do. Right. Now they have an abundance, and this is terrible, but this is exactly how they thought of them, and the same in the Soviet Union. They are labor rich. Mm-hmm. And if they lose some of that labor, not that big of a deal. We got many more that can come in. Mm-hmm. Right? It's Well, and China did instill the one-child uh, policy. Which significantly messed up their demographics. Well, now they're right, and now they're working on changing it. Now that, yeah, because they're realizing, oh, maybe a little too far. And the thing about in, in America, when we lost, when we lose our workforce, there is immigration. Folks can move in. China, that's not really an option. Right, and that's if you're going to play that game, mm-hmm. you have to be willing to accept those types of consequences. Absolutely, it will be interesting to see. Now, pay attention to the news. All of these things are taking place. People are writing about them. It's just not getting nationwide coverage. Well, and Mark Twain once said, uh, the people who choose not to read are no better off than those people who can't. Is this some uh, wisdom of the week coming early? No, no. Is this some additional? Uh, well, I mean, listen, I'm chock full of it. Man, the wisdom's coming in the beard. You I'm, see that, I'm right? I'm telling you. I know there'll be some extra Twain. But you're right. It's, it's, it's not being pushed at your face. Mm-hmm. And I think the other thing that people, the reason people shy away from it is they feel like it's all propaganda, anti-China stuff. Mm-hmm. Like this is just some crazy right-wing basement guy who's telling you about all these things that China's doing as if he's making them up. But they're out there investing. Like the, you can follow these types of projects right. as, they're, as they're going in from very reputable sources. This mm-hmm. is not hearsay. Right. So these are legit projects that follow real money with real jobs i from a geography perspective some countries really do just need the right pieces Mm -hmm. and maybe china can help provide some of these pieces right they are not as concerned as they would like you to think with hey we're here to help Mm -hmm. them helping you is a means to an end for them Mm -hmm. so how this is going to play out i guess we're going to circle the calendar We'll be, I don't know what episode we'll be on in 2049. Gosh, you think we'll still be going? I think so. 2049? I think so. Oh, my gosh. We could I got high hopes. park our, our wheelchairs or yeah. our walkers next to each other. We'll be ready to roll. It's going to be interesting to see, but why don't we end on something positive? Positivity. Give us some words of wisdom. Well, uh, Confucius uh, boy. brought a, a great deal of positivity. Uh, so he said, if, you, if your plan is for one year, plant rice. If your plan is for 10 years, plant trees. But if your plan is for 100 years, educate children. Which sounds a little bit like indoctrination, but Confucius said it, so it must be right. And it must be pure. Pure of heart. Well, we'll see what happens with this. I'm a little terrified. I'm not going to lie. I think you're going to be okay. Well, it's because I have you in my life, Mark. I'm here for you. (laughs) All right. See ya. See ya.